Alrighty, welcome to the Firewolf Podcast. This is Christy Bellich, and uh, Sunday evening, I just made a very large meal, and I I don't normally eat such large meals in one sitting. And uh, today has just been an interesting day for me, so I figured I'd uh, I'd podcast about it. Um, I I wrote something that I was just gonna maybe make a reopen my WordPress or blog, as people do, and I figured, well, maybe I should just blog through podcast, and then I'll figure out the rest later on. But I was thinking about the morning, the loss, the morning, morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, that we're all kind of going through as a collective, and and uh, there's, you know, the New York Times just posted, the, you know, I guess 100,000 names of people that passed away from COVID. And it's incredibly sad and shitty. And, um, but I, I'm doing this podcast because I wrote myself something I called Sunday Bloggy Sunday. And I was like... You know, yes, people are dying. People I love could die. I could die. We all can die of this virus or of whatever the fuck is going on. I'm not going to get too political on this Sunday bloggy Sunday pod. But um, I'm thinking to myself, you know, but that doesn't that doesn't take away from the other deaths that are going on around us because we're not just mourning physical death. We're mourning the loss of whatever we're mourning. And in my particular case, it's I'm mourning the loss of stand-up comedy in my life in the way that I, I, I worked, you know? And so this podcast, if you're listening to it, is a permission, this is my personal permission to myself to mourn the loss of something I love so deeply that I've given, given up everything. And now I'm giving myself permission to, to really mourn the loss. And I, I may have podcasted about this on Mushrooms, I'm not sure, but I'm going to revisit this again because I... I wrote this and I feel like if there's a comedian listening to this or anybody who's lost anything ever, especially in this particular pandemic, although I believe, you know, this pandemic, our epigenetics prepared us for anyway. So our grant, thank, thank you, grandma. Thank you, Mima. Thank you, Peepa. Thank you, Bubba. Thank you, Jetto. So, I wrote, the work it takes to be a stand-up comedian, the sign-up sheets, the hours of time 
waiting, driving, thinking about your dreams. It's not a complaint that I am making. It's not a complaint to feel the loss of your work. It is not a complaint to mourn. Mourning is a part of life and the ultimate bridge towards growth. Much of this life is compromise and sacrifice. And most of us don't even get to see the fruits of our labor much of the time or even live to see what the dream actually evolves into. Some people are extremely lucky. Hold up. The fan is blowing and then the blowing the page. Some people are extremely lucky and get several quote-unquote shots. And you have to be ready in your mind to accept the reward. You will not have this half... Okay, I wrote something that I wrote for myself. Well, I wrote, I wrote a little bit of a channeled message for myself. Um, about prosperity... And I was worried about falling apart, so I just did a heart meditation, and I was like, am I going to fall apart? And the meditation said no, because you've already fallen apart. So, I wrote this in the morning. I had some horoscopes I had to write that were due. Had some personal crises with friends over this past weekend that are near and dear to my heart, and... So I went for a long walk in the desert today and I just let the music guide me around and I went down the trails and said if I get lost I get lost I know where north is I know where south is I know where home is in relation to this mountain I I can figure it out I have enough water and enough sense about me to you know there are enough houses around I can if if I really do get lost which I won't there are solutions to getting lost in this desert right now so just push yourself beyond the trail no running I tried to run this week um I tried to have guests and it's just you know me and I either right now in a bed with a fan on with some fucking peppermint tea or in a bathtub right now that's all the podcast extent I'm able to do at this time. I have people lined up. I had awesome guests ask, you know, some people ask me to, if they could be on. I had to move some times and days and think. Because quite honestly, I'm that sensitive that I don't, I have a really hard time sometimes in conversations because I feel way too much. And it's... So I'm just letting this podcast be what it needs to be for now, letting the answers that I got and the messages received from the mushrooms that really sink in and really guide me with my words. Because it's scary to do this podcast because I'm doing exactly what I'm afraid to do. And this one, you know, mourning giving myself permission to mourn um, even when other people are going through rough times and even, you know, it doesn't mean I can't be there for my friends on a, you know, friend-to-friend basis but it does mean that 
I also have to really consider when I said the sign-up sheets, you know, sitting in the back of the room, leaving a career, moving across the world, then coming back to the U.S., I was so afraid, I realized I was so afraid of my voice. My voice was so owned in my mind by other people that I had to move all the way across the world to New Zealand just to figure out how stand-up comedy worked. Just to give myself permission at that time in my life to even say what was on my mind because that's how scary talking is for me. That's how scary this is for me. That's how important this is for me. So mourning the loss of what I love the most above relationships, above even thinking about having a kid, about, you know, above a lot of things. I think of those times when I was in New York City and it would be pouring down rain and you're still waiting in the back in the basement, in a dark basement, trying to get on stage, trying to get your five minutes in, feeling competitive with other comics who are on their way to, you know, paid spots or booked spots or they know this person and they know that person and you're just trying to see if the new tag that you wrote works and you get put on last and you wait and it smells and there's a dead roach in the corner and you try to pee and then you have to squat because there's probably herpes on the toilet seat all the above I think about those times I think about the good times I think about the amazing times of when you're sitting in a diner in New York with your friends until 5 o'clock in the morning and the sun starts coming up and fuck it, you've been out that long, why don't you guys get coffee and then just walk to 168th Street? You know, and okay, well once you get there, why don't you just talk for another hour in front of your apartment building because you know about anything and everything and enriched and enlightened about Bill Hicks and about books and about movies and about, you know, comedy experiences and about jokes and about life. I miss those fucking days. And those days when you're out until 5 a.m. and it's raining and you don't care and you don't have an umbrella because all of your comic friends are there with you and it doesn't fucking matter. And at the end of the day, you know, everybody goes home and it's just you and one other comic but you're still out walking, you know, the streets of New York City, connecting and sharing laughs and everybody's seemingly hiding in their apartment buildings, you know, but you're experiencing the art of the city. Or those long drives by yourself when a girl has thrown water at your crotch and hit you in the face because she didn't like you telling her to shut the fuck up because she was trying to make herself the center of attention because that's what white girls do at comedy shows. They think they're assisting your jokes. I don't need your fucking help, bitch. And then you drive home with your crotch soaking wet from water. You stop at Sheets gas station where they sell plastic cups of wine, 
ready, all you have to do is take off the top. But instead, you get coffee. You put on some Chris Cornell. And you keep driving home. To a place where they don't even want you there. And then there's those nights where you get to headline for an hour because somebody saw you from the beginning and believed in you. And they saw your progress and every time you stopped back in Maryland, they'd come to see you at a show and they were a comic but they became a producer because they didn't have the time because they had a regular day job and they have to take care of their family but they still love comedy, so they produce shows on the side and host those shows, and they watch you. And they check in with you every once in a while just to see how you're doing. And then when the timing's right, they see you and they go, hey, your time out in L.A., you've been doing a really good job. You are going to make it. Those are the people who keep you going. Hey, then they say, hey, I have a room of my own now. It's paid. It's not a lot. But we'll get you food. We'll pay you. Let me know. I'll give you I'll give you 45 minutes. And then they light you at an hour. And you're still going at an hour. In a town where you went to college. Where they taught you that the reason why things hurt in your vagina is you need to fuck a tampon with lube. Real story. Two separate stories, but real real truth about the Christian school I went to. Not Christian, but backwards school. Anyway. These are the things that I'm mourning, and I'm sure all comics are mourning, and there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of stories that I have from my years in stand-up comedy that built me who I am, to, to be who I am today. Being in New York City... Just moving into New York City, going into the coffee bean that's shut down now on on uh, on McDougal Street and running into Dave Attell and being able to walk around the corner after an open mic and seeing your heroes smoking outside of the comedy cellar and being in my first few months of comedy and having Dave Attell give me advice And just be a genuine human being to me. And then get me a glass of cranberry juice. While he went. Right before he went on stage. Which he probably would never remember. But that is a story that is burned in my brain for the rest of my life. These are the things that. I'm sure other comics are mourning in their own way. You know, those drives, those late nights, those times we've slept in parking lots, those times we've made best friends that aren't even friends, they're fucking family. Those times somebody gave you a fucking chance and surprised you and came through for you on a big level. You know, those times that are magical and have no words and are hard to even express. um, That nobody else would understand except for you who studied stand-up for so long. Those times that legends 
have allowed you to open for them and given you a fucking shot out of the goodness of their goddamn heart. (laughs) And gotten seafood with you. (laughs) Fried oysters. (laughs) Those times that Kismet took over synchronicity the universe and brought you to people that we're going to change your perspective on life and keep you motivated to keep going. And that's why I think, you know, at the end of the day, this show that my friend John and I are doing is going to happen. And it's, even if comedy starts up again, this has to happen. The show has to happen. The storytelling show has to happen. And it's going to happen. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I hope this keeps recording because I wrote this blog thing that I might do on my live stream. I'm not sure. But I wanted to read it because I need to read it to myself. And if anybody's listening out there in some capacity... Um, then you were meant to hear it too. Because I think, you know, for the good and the bad that is in stand-up comedy, there is a lot of pressure on comics to be perfect. And that's not why we got into comedy. We got into comedy because we're the most imperfect beings out there. We're the most fucked up. We see the bullshit that is going on and we point it out and we mock it that's what our job is we have to say what's going on and even though this has been said to be the greatest time in stand-up comedy there's also a lot of pressure to have perfect hair and have your netflix special and what's the name of your special going to be and it's like i don't know like i just want to get on stage and drive around the country and like meet people but i guess i have to have I have I can't even just be a comic. I have to be a comic that knows how to edit sound and video and be a graphic designer and um also have a hairstylist and have uh somebody that can whiten my teeth because uh but except that I can't even, you know, afford that cuz I'm trying to be a comic. Like all these things, all these fucking things. Like highlights in my hair are not going to take away from the fact that I see Elon Musk as a piece of shit and I want to make fun of him so bad right now. Okay. Let me sip my tea. Okay, so I wrote this and hopefully somebody can connect with it. I wrote this as a journal entry. Sunday Bloggy Sunday written May May 23rd at 11.46 p.m. Pacific time. The comedy industry today, a fucking blog by Christy Michelle Belich. Is my hair perfect for this Netflix special? Is my persona magnified just at the correct tempo in which a joke is supposed to be utilized to its most consciously understood timing and pacing? 
do I slash you slash we slash they have a blue check mark next to their fucking name? This is what the comedy model became. The podcast flick special. But prior, Carlin, Hicks, Bruce, Moms, Rhett, Mooney were slash are the blue check marks themselves. They weren't living their lives to be rewarded a blue fucking check mark. They just were they damn selves. Take it or fucking leave it. An accolade from a social media company is just a stamp that you've been tattooed on your lips like a racehorse ready to run for a handful of grain at the end of the fucking day. The rogues are the true comics these days. And then I wrote a little, I guess, addendum. Is your joke perfect? Does it have to be? Set up punch set up punch why so you can get punched in the face when the gold ran dry in a land where even the bears went extinct self-sufficiency creates the innovation within and beyond all currently utilized industries no handouts for some digital fucking trans tramp stamp the end Okay, I have to edit that. So, that's really what I wrote. And um, I really believe in it because, you know, prior, Carlin, Moms Mabley, they were the blue check marks. And then it just has become, you know, are you a certified voice? Are you a uh, USDA grade speaker? Are you inspected by what's actually the source of the problem to begin with? Because if you haven't been, then how are you a legitimate human being? That's what it's become. That's what stand-ups become. This is a certified stand-up, and this one isn't a certified stand-up. This is a certified singer. This isn't a certified singer. This is a certified artist. This isn't a certified artist. This person has a blue check mark. They're a journalist. Therefore, their opinions are more important than somebody that does even more research and takes the time to even write a fully well-thought-out and written article that maybe they had to leave the United States to even get the proper information out because it's such a pressure cooker for a legitimate research journalist these days. Just saying. Just fucking saying. And this is what we are, the social clout. Instead of the fact that the clowns in the back of the room, the misfits, the forgotten, which I am, I'm a forgotten. I feel that's what I got into comedy for, is I'm a forgotten, lost seeker of knowledge. 
and I just wanted to tell my jokes. And then it became, well, you have to get booked this way to tell your jokes. Oh, you have to be passed at this club to tell your jokes. Oh, you're not club material, so <laughs> you might want to tell your jokes at bars at other places. Uh, you might not want to tell your jokes in the South. You might not want to tell your jokes to white people. You might not want to tell your jokes to people that aren't that smart. You might want to not tell your joke. In fact, little girl, why don't you just zip your mouth shut and not tell no jokes at all? There's a virus that could kill you. Look, I almost died years ago. I choose life. It's funny that a virus doesn't scare me at all. What scares me is, will it hurt people I love? That's what scares me. But it's still not going to make me shut up. <laughs> Which is what they want us to do in the first place. Unless you have a blue check mark, they ask you kindly, can you shut up and just go to Walmart? And buy the things that we need you to buy so you can make the rich people richer because they need to make more money during a really, really hard time. The world is going through a hard time and the billionaires need to become trillionaires. Okay. Oh, what? You want to put... You want to put metal in my arm? You want to put a microchip in my arm? Is that what the next step is? Blue check microchips? Is he chipped? Is she chipped? Are you chipped? Susan? Susan, are you chipped? Did you get, did you get Bill? Did you and Bill get chipped together? Oh my God, how sweet. That is so fucking sweet. You know, Ted... Didn't want to get chipped because, you know, he's just an asshole. He's always been an asshole. I understand we're in, like, a codependent relationship, but, like, Ted has always been an asshole. But I definitely got chipped because I saw everybody else was getting chipped, so I decided to get chipped. And, like, we're just, like, mad chipped, you know? And the great thing about being chipped is I can just go to Walmart and I can just give them my hand and be like, just ring me out and we're good. And then I went to Michael's and I got some amazing decoupage material. So I guess the point of this whole podcast today is I am mourning the loss of stand-up comedy. And also, please do not get the vaccine. Okay, that is all. Goodbye.